It was supposed to be a season to remember. Three All-Stars in Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles finished 1-2 in 6th Man of the Year voting. It was the first time in franchise history they had finished with sole possession of the best record in the league at 52-20, giving them the number one seed in a loaded Western Conference and a surefire route to the NBA Finals, right? This was the team of destiny. Injuries to key players across the league had opened the door for the Jazz to win their first championship in franchise history. Even as late-season injuries sidelined the all-star backcourt of Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz just kept winning games. This had to be the year. When Donovan missed the Game 1 playoff opener, a Jazz loss, red flags went up. Then Mitchell returned, and the Jazz reeled off four straight wins over the Memphis Grizzlies. Even with Conley leaving Game 5 early after re-aggravating his hamstring injury, the Jazz looked great. Next up, the Los Angeles Clippers. The Jazz jumped out to a 2-0 series lead, and fans, myself included, were making Western Conference Finals plans. Kawhi Leonard... The all-world Clippers small forward suffered a knee injury late in Game 4. This was our year. Even without Mike Conley, the Jazz can beat this depleted Clippers team, right? Well, you know the story. Mitchell re-aggravates his ankle injury, and despite some spectacular offensive numbers, if you're watching the games, you know how severely limited Donovan Mitchell was on that ankle. Mike Conley came back in Game 6 but looked anything but healthy. The Jazz blow a 25-point second-half lead in an elimination game on the road. One of the all-time great comebacks in NBA playoff history. Down 25 in the second half. The L.A. Clippers will win their fourth straight game in this series. Final seconds here at Staples Center. It's official. The L.A. Clippers are going to the conference finals. Entering the 2021-22 NBA season, last year is an afterthought. No, what happened last year? I don't know. I don't even know what that's over with. Championship windows in professional sports can close in an instant before you ever even realize they were open in some cases. In spite of the previous season's regular season success, there were cracks in the facade. Vice President of Basketball Operations Dennis Lindsay stepped down after several reports indicated that there was a communication issue between Lindsay and Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. The Clippers' roster versatility in that second-round defeat showed a critical shortcoming in the Jazz roster building, and extensive change was needed. To address their needs... Utah would have to add positional versatility with limited financial flexibility and a shortened offseason only complicated the process. Today on Gen Z Utah Jazz, I dive into those roster changes and how the Jazz hope to become the best team in basketball. In order to focus on the current season, the Jazz had to first move on from last season. That meant forget about the loss in the playoffs. It meant forget about the awards. Forget about the notoriety and everything that came with it. It meant forget about those 52 wins and move on to this year. They had to get everybody on the same page from rookies to veterans, from guys coming into the franchise for the first time to guys that have been with the team for a decade or more. 
Everybody needed to be pulling for the same goals together. This isn't vacation. This was a real training camp. And at the same time, I think it provided us opportunities to be around one another. Maybe more than anything for the newer players, that's helpful. As much as thing we do X and O. I also thought that as we processed last year, when you walked in the arena before the game and you looked to the right, there was this essential essay of accomplishment. It's terrific. You want to embrace that because it's real. But at the same time, you know, the way we ended the season for a variety of reasons that people have analyzed and talked about, and that's a complicated process to process that and also remember who we were. And what better way to start that process than to get everybody together for the first time somewhere else? Don and I spoke about it. His instinct was, hey, would it help us to, kind of, to get away? And that... I'd thought about it before as well. Anytime player that you're close with and you trust and you kind of come to a conclusion or an idea independently and then they line up, it's, you know, that's a good sign. That's Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder talking with the media about why he decided to hold the first several days of training camp in Las Vegas. It may have scared some of the fans thinking that the Jazz might be testing out Las Vegas as a city to potentially move to. But really, this was simply a situation where Quinn Snyder had some ideas. Those ideas lined up with some suggestions that Donovan Mitchell had made. And as Quinn says, when your ideas line up with one of your best players, it's probably a pretty good idea. For a team that many of the national media expect to contend for a championship... The Utah Jazz had a lot of moving parts this offseason, as I've already mentioned. I had the opportunity to talk with a number of different jazz players, Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, and some of the new guys, Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gay, and Eric Pascal, to see how they were fitting in with the jazz and if this truly is a team that can compete for an NBA title this year. Easily the most important signing of the offseason for the Jazz, Rudy Gay, a 16-year NBA veteran. Gay has averaged nearly 17 points and 6 rebounds with 2 assists per game over the course of his over 1,000 career NBA games. Gay is getting a little bit long in the tooth, but the Jazz still feel like he has a lot of untapped potential and can really fit into this Utah Jazz style. Here's Mike Conley on what he thinks Rudy Gay's impact could be. He's been a great leader for us. God is just constantly around when we're scrimmaging. He's giving advice. He's also still trying to learn. We do have a lot of nuances and small things that other teams might not do or say or implement, and so he's trying to get caught up as fast as he can. So he's constantly asking questions, and but guys love him. Uh, we're excited to get him back, um, you know, healthy and ready to go. Made big plays, timely plays, and, and that's what you're going to expect from vets like that. And I think Rudy can be that as well. He can be a guy that most games are going to go to Don at the end of a game, but one game might be Rudy Gay. It might be Rudy Gay in the post. It might be a turnaround jump shot or something like that that gets us over the hump or a defensive stop. So he's capable of doing all that, and we're looking forward to getting him up to speed so he can become that person that we know he can be. Now Jordan Clarkson talking about what Rudy Gay's leadership has meant to the locker room and on the court. What they call him, G-Poppy? Yesterday? I ain't calling no man Poppy, but... uh, (laughs) But, uh, no, I expect him to do good in our system, especially with the new wrinkles and stuff. It's uh, very tapered towards like Royce and 
you know, Rudy and, and Boyan in some situations that's going to get them touches and looks as well. With him, he's long, athletic, he can shoot the ball. I feel like he's going to help space the floor a lot for us as well. And he's smart. You know, he played, came from the Spurs last organization, so he know what he's doing. He's been around the league for a while now, so it's going to be exciting for him to step on the floor and play. Looking forward to that for sure. Rudy's, like, been crazy, like, leadership-wise, though, in terms of, like, talking to coaches, players, whatever it is. You know, he gets the message across pretty well to a lot of people. And finally, Donovan Mitchell talks about what Rudy Gay's influence has been to him specifically. As far as leadership, man, he's a voice. You know, he's obviously, he's figuring things out for himself as far as the schemes, the the terms. But, you know, when you've played 15, 16 years in this league, you know, you've seen a bunch of different things. You kind of know the game. You don't kind of know, but you know the game. And he's been able to give us insight, what he sees, and also being able just to listen and ask questions of himself. Due to an off-season heel surgery, Rudy Gay was unable to help the Jazz on the floor this preseason. With that door closed, it opened up another opportunity for a newly acquired Jazz man in Eric Pascal. Pascal, acquired by the Jazz for a second-round pick from the Golden State Warriors, is going into his third season. And another bonus from Pascal, he grew up with Utah Jazz all-star Donovan Mitchell, the two are still best friends to this day. Pascal talks about what he expects his role to be with the Jazz this year and how he's had to adapt his game to fit into the Quinn Snyder offense. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, but again, I'm, I'm just trying to prove myself regardless. I mean, if he was hurt or not. So, again, I just got to get my foot in the door, bring some intensity, toughness, and do that every day regardless of who's hurt or not. Honestly, just go out there, play hard, have some fun. Again, it, it, you got to establish yourself every year is different so for me it's literally just going out there having fun and playing hard and bring some toughness play some defense maybe hit a few threes and yeah that's pretty much it it's still rough not be able to shoot my mid-range because that's like my bread and butter but I've been trying to adjust to it it's so hard because like even just like coming off a ball screen I know it's there like I know my mid-range is there and I know it's like for me it's like a layup like I, I love a mid-range jumper but you got at the end of the day you got to realize like they don't shoot mid-range so it's hard so I got to start adjusting to it, but uh, I've been adjusting. I've been constantly thinking like, uh, can't shoot my midi, so either go to the basket or shoot this three. In the back of my head, it's in my arsenal, but I know it's there if I need it, if I absolutely need it, but I've been trying to just, you know what I'm saying, do what coach says. So not really a mid-range jumper, no long twos, just either a layup or a three. That's Eric Pascal talking about his willingness to eschew the mid-range jumper because simply put, that's not what the Jazz offense calls for. Quinn Snyder wants shots at the basket, or three-point shots. No more of these 20-foot twos. While that aspect of the Jazz offense may not be unique, one thing about this Jazz team that is unique that nobody else in the league can replicate is Rudy Gobert, the best defensive player on the planet. So if Rudy's playing 30 to 33 minutes per night, what's happening with the other 15 minutes? Last year, we saw the Jazz go all in with Derek Favors, and while still beloved in Salt Lake City and across Jazz Nation, Favors just wasn't getting the job done. Shift gears to this season and free agent acquisition Hassan Whiteside. Whiteside, once considered a rival to Rudy Gobert in the NBA, was brought in to help the Jazz with a consistent style of play for 48 minutes a night. In a drastic decline from his 2019-20 performance in Portland, Whiteside's value was limited after playing only 15 minutes per night in Sacramento. His scoring was cut nearly in half to 8 points per game, and his primary skill on the defensive end, blocking shots, 
Whiteside only contributed 1.3 blocks per game last year. It was those numbers that made him available to the Jazz on a veteran minimum contract. After joining the team, Whiteside talked about the closeness he sees with this group of Utah Jazz players. I'm extremely excited. Coming to a team with the best record in the NBA last year, that's a high standard for you. So, you know, you're trying to match that standard and um, improve on it. I think that's a great challenge, and um, I think it's a privilege to be able to put that jersey on. It's so cool how close this team is. You know, I haven't been on a team this close. A lot of people say, hey, we're a close team. Hey, we do this together. Hey, we do not nah, like, uh, it's really like a close-knit group. Pretty great. I love it. But every team needs balance. With veteran leadership, you want to have rookies in the fold, young players, so that they can learn from some of those veterans. Mike Connolly talks about veterans sharing that experience with the younger players. I know that this game ain't going to last forever, and I'm trying to give as much knowledge to all the young guys on our team. Same with Rudy, same with everybody else down the line. Joe Ingles, that we're all just trying to continually trying to help as much as we can to speed up everybody's process, and hopefully they don't have to go through what we went through and making mistakes multiple times, you know, just one time and out. Continually try to do that. And ideally, those young players would be able to take over those roles at a later date. As the only rookie on this Utah Jazz team, Jared Butler's plate is when it comes to learning and experiencing the NBA and the Utah Jazz. Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson talk about Butler's learning curve through training camp. The biggest thing is a lot of rookies come in, they foul a lot. You know, they use their arms a lot. Pretty physical. They, they like to be that way. But in the league, guys, they manipulate the game very well. We're some of the best in the league at drawing fouls. So understanding different situations and when in which you, you know, if you're beat, you're beat. You know, don't don't try to make some miraculous play to get back into play. Trust the guy behind you to, to help you. But for the most part, stay in front of your man. Slide your feet. Don't use your arms. And I think he's done a good job as of late, you know, just trying to push his body through screens and being physical because he is. So I think he'll, he'll continually improve that. And we know what he can do offensively. So he's been good. He's been playing really well. He has a great pace. He's shifty. He's able to get to his spots, being able to finish. And this training camp is going to be big for him in terms of learning and on the fly and getting there and hoop. And then for Mike's sake, his legs and stuff don't turn on until about seven and after that so but Jared has been a, a great player d through this whole training camp playing and learning and everything so it's been really good for him. For newcomers and veterans of Quinn Snyder coach teams it all boils down to one mantra heard consistently in training camp. That mantra is accountability. Accountability for yourself, accountability for each other, accountability for the team. Like I said, we know what to expect from each other. We just can't let each other, you know, hit the ground, kind of. You know, we always going to, if you're going to hit the ground, it's going to come from one of us. Like, you got to do something or do something right. Or, that's the only time a player should ever hit the ground. And we bringing them back up and getting on the ball, scoring, you know, getting in the flow game, encouraging them, whatever it is. But that's probably the, the biggest thing. I think we all know what to expect from each other. And, you know, we're not going to look around the room and hold nothing less. Or to the biggest thing, just hold each other accountable. Every summer, you you know, you look back and you try to see where you can improve. And you know, I, I think our team really understanding that and keeping you know their emphasis there. You know, that's my job all the time, obviously, to continue to try to emphasize those things and point them out and raise them and work on them. But to the extent that you have a team that really takes ownership, various things, you know, that's that's when your team can be really good. That's where that accountability comes from. I, I think it, there's also a maturity when you're able to talk to each other when you're holding someone accountable. It doesn't always have to be kind of an emotional exchange. You know, it can be just something, a simple acknowledgement. And usually it's identifiable when whatever it is that you're talking about, you know, doesn't happen again <laughs> or 
you know, doesn't doesn't impact the kind of the psyche of the team. No, like I said, it's a new slate. What we come in here to do is a new team, you know, new additions. We play in the same style of basketball, but I feel like our team is more, we're more together than ever. Like I said, the communication is different. Guys, what we expect, we high, holding ourselves to a higher standard. It's not my bads, you know, going around in the court. It's like, yo, we approaching each other and telling us each other what it is. You know, constructive criticism amongst us, you know, that's just going to help push us to the next level. Pushing themselves to the next level. Jordan Clarkson, Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, 1 through 15 on this roster. Everybody is pulling together with one goal in mind. No longer is a second-round playoff exit good enough. No longer is simply the best record in the league in the regular season good enough. Regular season wins are spectacular. Postseason wins are what matter. The Jazz needed 16-game players. They needed guys who could help them win those 16 games across four rounds of the NBA playoffs so that we can finish by saying one thing. The Utah Jazz are NBA champions.